Welcome to CritterCast, episode 61. I'm your co-host, Karina. I'm your co-host, Cassie. And here at CritterCast, a podcast for the love of animals, we're here to guide you through the wacky, wonderful, wild, weird, all the words, uh, world of animals, one critter at a time. Yeah. I was trying to think of other W words, but no appropriate ones are coming to mind. They just always, they just kind of flow out of my mouth and it, it is what it is. You know? <laughs> uh, for those of you that are joining us from previous episodes, welcome back. We're so happy to have you here. For those of you who may be joining for your very first episode, first time welcome. And we think that you'll really like it here. And thank you for giving us a chance. Woohoo! Today on episode 62... I already said the wrong thing. Episode 62 of CritterCast. <laughs> we are talking, you know, last last episode we talked about platypuses, the, you know, very, very strange, typical CritterCast animals. But the other thing we do here at CritterCast is talk about animals you think you might know a lot about that you actually probably don't know that much about. And that's, that's what right. today's episode is all about. Today we're talking about chickens. It's Cassie and Karina and we're at it again, sharing cool facts about our animal friends. We make stupid jokes and we laugh a lot, but we also like to learn, so give us a shot. We'll talk about snails and their tweezer teeth, or gush about our love of manatees. We'll tell you why owls are so scary to us, and there's tons more critters that we'll discuss. We promise to make sure you'll have a blast, because you're listening to CritterCast. Before we get really into the ins and outs of these funny, strange common but not so common birds mm-hmm. how are you fe- how are you feeling about that today cassie how are you about feeling- chickens about chickens i'm intrigued i i have many ish experiences with chickens in that i have several family members who had farms and mm-hmm. raised chickens or still do mm-hmm. i helped to feed them when i was a kid they're they're fine but i was also always kind of a little bit afraid of them because the ones my grandmother had were not very nice to anyone but my grandmother mm-hmm. but on the other hand right. they're super cute and i've seen other ones that are very friendly with people so mm-hmm. yeah i'm i'm down let's yeah. learn about chickens for sure it's one of those animals where like almost everyone has had at least one personal hands-on experience with a chicken Accurate. They are they are so widespread throughout the world. Specifically, there's estimated to be about 25 billion individual chickens on Earth today, oh. domesticated chickens, which is about four chickens per human. So okay, we are largely outnumbered by chickens on oh, this no. planet. <laughs> oh um, dear. So you know, just think about that when you lie down at night. Um, I definitely <laughs> will be thinking about that now. <laughs> Thank you, I guess. <laughs> oh my gosh. But I want to I wanna make one clarification really quick that I thought was obvious, but then I remembered that when I was a child and I would see a group of chickens and I would say, ooh, look, chickens, there was always some other obnoxious kid like in my class or my group that was like, that one's a rooster. Did you ever have people like that, like kids like Absolutely. that? Absolutely. That were they're all chickens. Okay, let's just yeah. clear the air right now. Well, they're and sometimes chickens. Sometimes I'd point at the flock of birds mm-hmm. over in the distance and I'd say, Look at all those chickens. And someone <laughs> would laugh at me and say, those are geese. <laughs> There's always that one person. Right? Ridiculous. Yeah. But just to clarify language here, right? Baby chickens of all genders are chicks. 
those cute little fuzzy, fluffy things that go cheep, 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 cheep. Female, young female chickens that are not yet full grown are pullets. And pullets. young male chickens that are not yet full grown are cockerels. Ah, okay. And then I'd always adult, wondered that. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And then your adults are hens and roosters or cocks, depending on, you right. know. Yeah. And this is not explicit. It is a it is a an official term. We hear you, seventh grade kid listening, and also forty <laughs> year old person listening who's giggling right now. We hear you. We understand, but also this you. is the correct terminology, right? For this, for you know, for this <laughs> purpose though, I will be saying rooster. It's just a more comfortable okay. word to use. Sure, um, but yeah. So those are the those are the different terminologies for young male and female chickens, but they are all chickens. Lovely. Uh, their okay. scientific name, right off the bat, we're going to start oh, no. with a little bit of debate and controversy. Oh, okay. Bring it's it. not very much. It's really some people decide that they are Gallus domesticus. According okay. to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, they call them Gallus domesticus. But other scientists argue that they should be a subspecies of Gallus gallus, which is the red jungle fowl, or what is believed to be the most closely related wild chicken. And then they would be Gallus gallus domesticus. So... You know, All right. It's one or two. It's sure. a very, it's a small debate there, but yeah, a debate nonetheless. <laughs> and uh, and an easier name to pronounce this week. So I appreciate that. Yes, that's always nice. I'm pretty sure I'm not butchering it. Not yet. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, their closest, you know, their closest relative, what we believe is their closest relative is Gallus gallus or the red jungle fowl, which is found in India. Oh, okay. And if you looked up a picture of a red jungle fowl, it very much looks like a domestic chicken. Little bit, um, a little bit more diversity in their color and a little bit smaller than typical chickens that we see today. Mm, because um, the ones we see today have probably been selectively bred, bred. Mm-hmm. to be larger. Absolutely. So that we can get more meat. Mm-hmm. Or lots of different, lots of different things. Because we are who we are and we like everything bigger, right? That's right. <laughs> It's just, it's just a human, just a human thing there. Or an American thing. This is true. Or an American thing. (laughs) Um, We do, we do have uh, some idea that they may also be related to other wild birds from other parts of Asia, but we're pretty sure the, the Asian area is where these birds were first domesticated about 75,000, no, seventy. 7,500 years ago. Were first domesticated. Yes. But Gallus Gallus, or ancestors of it, were originated as early as 10 million years ago. Okay. All right. So more on par with the whole chickens are dinosaurs thing. Yeah, definitely. Because we do think that early relatives of the chickens were descended directly from dinosaurs. So... Right. A very, a very ancient breed. But what we see and recognize today has not been around for nearly that long. Sure. But still a long time. Longer than certainly either of us has been alive. <laughs> <laughs> One definitely hopes so. Yes. Certainly longer than most, uh, most people listening. Even if we've got a few vampire listeners, most of them don't, <laughs> I would think, aren't 7,500 years old yet. I mean, probably not. But also, I'm just looking on the uh, history of humankind uh, timeline to see Mm -hmm. exactly what was going on 7,500 years ago. Mm -hmm. Because I'm trying to put that into 
to context, the domestication of chickens, that just seems to me like something that as humans, we, sh- we just have always had chickens available. Yeah. That just it feels seems like, like that. something I take for granted. So I'm looking up to see um, like what else was going on around that time. So mm-hmm. chickens came after the domestication of cattle. Mm-hmm. And after the domestication of cats, interesting, mm-hmm. huh? But and a little after the domestication of wheat, um, so that okay, and wow, this is really they they even came just either just after or right around the same time as the earliest use of bricks. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yep. Huh. I mean, you know, Who they've knew? been they're they're very much part of our modern history. Yeah. That's for sure. Not quite part of our prehistoric history. Yeah. So that was before the Bronze Age, even. All right. That makes more sense to me. I guess humanity, the timeline of humanity is just so weird because we're such a blip, but things right. seem so long to us. Right. Because <laughs> it because humans, I mean, the world has changed so vastly much, especially right. for people living in our day and age. The world has changed so much even in just the last hundred years. Right. That it's so hard to fathom that the earth existed for an, an unimaginable amount of time before humans were even yeah. a thing. But yeah, that's our human centric mindset coming into play there. That's right. <laughs> um, so when we talk, you know, normally we talk about animals and what environments they live in. And with chickens, because they are exclusively domesticated, I and mean, we are focusing not on their wild cousins, but on the domesticated chicken, their environment is completely controlled by humans and it varies based on who their human caretaker happens to be. Sure. But they are well distributed across the entire world, anywhere humans are living now. So we will not see huh. chickens in antarctica we we won't be seeing that because yeah there are right. no humans living there um but in even in places where it's cold and can get snowy there are farms that have chickens you know okay yeah like for sure maybe not as popularly kept as more moderate climates right but they're everywhere yeah i mean that makes sense because they they're easy to keep alive and they produce a lot of things that you can use them for. So their usefulness kind of like carries on throughout their whole lifetime. Mm-hmm. And then even after their lifetime. Exactly. There you nope. go. Exactly. So their appearance also varies widely. So it's a little bit difficult to talk about appearance because there are over 60 recognized breeds of chicken. It's a lot uh, of breeds of chicken. 60? Mm-hmm. I can think of like five. <laughs> right, right. And wow. I, I'll okay. be honest. I pulled up a couple breed lists to kind of like pick a few to talk about, but I ended up taking notes on so many other things that I really didn't go back to the breed list because there was just so much extra information right. that I didn't expect to write down in my notes. But, um, but I have my breed list ready. So okay. if, we, if there's if we still feel like there's time at the end, um, we can talk about some of the more fun and fancy chicken breeds. Great. Um, but yeah, over 60 breeds recognized. So appearance varies. A yeah. Lot. <laughs> Colors, even like size, shape, f- patterns of feathers right. can vary. But across all breeds, most chickens stand less than 26 inches or 70-ish centimeters tall. 
So, so not yeah. too much over two feet. No. For, yeah. For and then Americans. they should be less than six pounds. Um, they can be as small right. as about two pounds, but you know, cause they're birds now chickens, unlike most birds are a little bit heavier, a little bit heftier because mm-hmm. we have bred them Muscle. this way and for meat. Yes. But, um, but yeah, they, most breeds will have some kind of uh, recognizable, that fleshy comb mm-hmm. of their head and the wattles. And this mm-hmm. is seen in both males and females. So if you right. see a comb, that doesn't mean it's a rooster. Right. But if it's a really big comb or a really big waddle, it's probably a rooster. <laughs> yes. Helpful. Mm-hmm. Roosters also have spurs on their legs that uh, females do not have. Hens don't have those. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you get that close that you can look at their their scaly kind of legs. Um, but maybe only try that with the rooster's knowledge and consent because <laughs> they, they don't really like to be messed with if they, if they don't have forewarning. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the thing that's lovely about chickens is that if they don't want to be near you, they're not going to be near you. <laughs> they can um, just get the heck away. <laughs> yeah. They can move really fast. Yeah. And, uh, and it's kind of alarming. So, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you've ever looked up close at birds feet in general, but especially, I think it's pretty pronounced on chickens, you can see how they have their reptilian roots in their Definitely. DNA still. They have kind of this scaly sort of texture to their skin and these long, thick talons Yeah, um, that are not, they're not like birds of prey hooked, sharp talons, but they're still sharp Yeah, and uh, can still do quite a bit of damage. So to right. both other birds and us. So yep. just, you know, don't pick a fight with a chicken is right. my recommendation. In general, I would say probably don't pick a fight with any animals at all. Just don't. Right, right. I, I'm personally pro not picking fights. Unless yeah. it's over the internet and you're just having that kind of day, you know? <laughs> a little bit of stress relief. It's fine. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, despite having the very typical anatomy that all birds have, chickens are, of course, mostly flightless. Oh! This we know. And uh, while I, I will say this is largely because humans, but right. the, the wild chickens that we've talked about a few times, they are game birds like quails and pheasants. And those birds, while they can fly, are not built for endurance. They're just heftier than a lot of other birds. Their flight was always intended to help them get away from predators mm-hmm. and not necessarily to help them hunt their prey or anything right. like that. So they we we didn't harm them so much with selective breeding that we like took away an ability that they always really strongly had sure they, they didn't develop from birds that were really great flyers in the first place yeah yeah but now you know our domesticated chickens they can barely even get over a fence if they have enough space they can get over a shorter fence but if they uh, if it's too tall of a fence and they're too far away they won't be in the air by the time they get to the edge of the fence also depends on the uh, the wind, mm-hmm. and how how mm-hmm. much wind there is. Yeah, have you if ever? There's seen a tornado. Chicken run there. They have to really just get themselves in that slingshot and just. Yep, that's right. Yeah. But yeah. basically, it's not it's not always necessary to like have a roof on a chicken enclosure for the chickens, but it's recommended for them to be in a fully enclosed. You know, if you have backyard chickens, a fully sure. enclosed coop because of predators, not because mm-hmm. the chickens are going to escape. And as we all know, at least those of us who are not vegetarian and vegan mm-hmm. and or vegan, 
uh, chicken can be quite tasty, not only to us, but also to many, many, many types of predators. So many things. So many. So many things. Eat chickens, eat mm-hmm. baby chickens, eggs, the, the adult chickens. Yeah. Um, yes. But luckily with our help, they're not endangered in any way, as we've already <laughs> talked about. No. There, there are so many. <laughs> We're um, more but, endangered than they are. Yes. But in the wild, wild chickens do have um, lots and lots of things to worry about getting away from. Yeah. Because they just, you know, they're small and they don't fly high up. So they have limited options. Um, domesticated chickens, yeah, they just, you know, they have heavy muscles. It just doesn't allow for their body to really take flight. Um, but that's okay. You know, it's, it's okay. It just is what it is. Yeah. So I'm assuming that chickens kind of mostly stay in their own general areas. Um, and I know we're talking about domesticated chickens today, but this is just kind of making me think about migration patterns and Mm -hmm. whether or not the uh, chicken cousins that that are not domesticated. The red jungle fowl. Exactly. They do not migrate. Yeah, makes no. sense. Yeah, that'd be pretty challenging if you can't fly very far. No, they would have to migrate along the ground. I don't think it would be really that possible not for worth them. It. So mm-hmm. they just kind of hang out. Yeah. But that's probably also why it was so easy to domesticate chickens. Definitely. Because uh, they are very opportunistic and they know where the food is yep. and they stick where the food is. You just put the the food out, put some nice hay out for a bed. Before too long, you've got a group of chickens and then you've got got some eggs. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Speaking of their diet, so in uh, in captivity where we where we keep domestic chickens, they are primarily fed uh, seeds and grains, a mix of those, and mm-hmm. um, they can be fed different things depending on what they're being raised for and what people want out of it. Um, their yolk color will actually de- can help you determine like what their primary source of nutrition was. Oh. So really, really yellowy yolks are usually uh, indicate a diet have of corn oh. versus like a more creamy yolk is usually a heavy diet of wheat. However, chickens are omnivorous and they do need a lot of protein too. So if Definitely. they're allowed to naturally free range, they're going to be pecking for insects, worms, small lizards, um, and even their own eggs. Absolutely. Yep. Cool. Yeah. I wouldn't. I knew that was coming. Right. It was coming. Anybody yep. that's um, it's it's not a super unknown fact, but I wouldn't go as far as to call them cannibalistic. They're not eating like, right. They're right. not eating chicken meat. They At are least eating... not of their own choice. No, no, no. and actually, they they do eat. Um, right, if they're eating like chicken meal, if that's mm-hmm. in their grain or feed then they may technically be cannibalistic. But not, they wouldn't seek out other live chickens to kill and eat. Right, exactly. So, but they will seek out. It's an important distinction, okay? Yes, (laughs) but they will seek out their own eggs to eat them. Well, they're tasty. Right. And they're a great source of protein. So what happens is uh, this can, it can indicate either a lack of protein in their Mm, diet and they're actively trying. Like if you see... Um, if you see eggs or, you, you know, you're raising chickens and you see eggs that have, like the chickens are pecking and cracking and eating the yolks and mm-hmm. eating the shells, There's then coffee. it usually indicates a lack of protein, boredom, because, you know, sometimes oh, they get bored sure. or a formed habit. So sometimes people have been like, mm. oh, I accidentally cracked an egg and then the chickens all flock to it to eat the yolk because they know that it's yummy. And right. now they purposely crack their eggs because the yolk is yummy. It is so, yummy. 
you it's know, true. there are some fun resources and good resources online if you happen to be a chicken raiser, a raiser of chickens, yeah, um, to help you curb that behavior if you don't want to lose all your eggs to the chickens. Right. Them. You got to make sure those chickens have protein and enrichment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They love mealworms. So that's a, a commonly that commonly sourced feeder that's cheap to maintain mm-hmm. um, and that dried, dehydrated, refrigerated, live, they don't care. They right. will happily eat any of it. Um, Excellent. They're also uh, so motivated by lots of foods that they are often called um, the perfect way to practice operant conditioning as far as like animal training goes because they really have like no motivations or, you know, anything else going on except food. Right. So currently I'm clicker training chickens at work. (laughs) It's a fun time. It's a fun time. Um, And I'm using mealworms to do it. So, yeah. like meal. I can tell you 100% they like it. Um, excuse me. Yes. May I request a video of this because I have I video and I will send it your way. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, continuing with basic facts here. We often talk about lifespan of every animal that we talk about, right. and it's a little bit tricky with chickens to talk mm-hmm. about, um, sure. because there's not really such thing as an average lifespan because oftentimes they are intentionally slaughtered long before the end of their natural life. Yeah. When they are being raised for meat specifically, they're, they're slaughtered at a time in which it's determined that's best for the production and not necessarily for the animal. Right. Um, And even when they're not slaughtered early, if they're like in the egg industry instead, or if they're pets, they are subject to predation if they're not kept care for. They're subject to all kinds of illnesses when they're kept in a really large flock. Um, They are, you know, subject to all kinds of crazy things. But we do know that that a healthy, well-cared-for chicken allowed to live to its full natural life should live about a decade. Okay. But, That's know. actually longer than I was thinking. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm guessing the average is probably quite a bit lower. But A that, lot lower. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they are birds and birds do not have particularly short lifespans on right? the list Parrots. of things that I'm we talk about. I'm looking at you, man. Exactly. Yes. So, but, okay. All right. you know, okay. we do know so, so much about chicken breeding. because they're domesticated and that's literally (laughs) what we do with them naturally like many other animals chickens would breed during spring and summer when it's nice and warm the days are long they can tell my eggs are likely to survive it is so much harder to incubate eggs in the cold Um, but year-round the breeding and laying season can be triggered by artificial lights and heat sources just to encourage your hens to keep laying so that you can produce eggs year round. Sure. And produce baby chickens year round if you are more in the meat business of things. Right, right. What's most fascinating and why we can get so many eggs from even just a few chickens is because the time between ovulation and egg laying, so when when their little ovaries release an egg and when they actually lay a physical egg, is only 23 to 26 hours. Oh, wow. And then after they've laid an egg, they can ovulate again within an hour. So that's why it seems like they're laying every single day. Wow. Which is kind of nuts because it like the, the most efficient chicken can can literally lay an egg every day. So on on average, hens can produce up to 300 eggs per year. Not like a every single day of the year because you know. Right, right. 
maybe that they're going to have off days, you know, don't we all chickens don't we all, (laughs) but it's crazy. That is crazy. Like considering us humans over here, like making one egg every 28 days and then not enjoying it too. Right. Right. (laughs) It's just, it's not, it it doesn't work that fast for us, but it does for chickens. All right. So let's talk about, you know, eggs that we buy at the store, fertilized, unfertilized, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Where, Let's talk about where's, that. Where's your brain at with this, Cassie? Well, so I I understand that most of the eggs that you buy at stores are unfertilized eggs. However, sometimes there can be little bits of accidents. So actually, oh. Mm-hmm. Actually, okay. most Tell eggs me. that we buy in the store, uh, we don't really know whether they're fertilized or unfertilized. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. Oh, so, okay. Actually, yeah. that makes sense. Right. Because right. really, how could we? Right. A fertilized yeah. egg will only ever turn into an embryo and therefore a baby chicken right. if it is properly incubated. Sure. And that means it has to be kept at a very consistent temperature for the first 24 to 48 hours after being laid. So if you're going in and collecting eggs every day, right. it's not That's being not incubated happen. enough time for it to turn into an embryo. But if you miss a day, or my, my grandmother's chickens would sometimes hide an egg, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you'd just come in one day and there was a new chicken. Yep. Yeah. Okay. If you didn't find it, sometimes they're like, oops. Yep. This one's a baby now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, when freshly laid, the only like... DNA difference between a fertilized and an unfertilized egg mm-hmm. is that there will be a small amount in an unfertilized egg. There'll be a small amount of the male's DNA of their sperm cells remaining mm-hmm. and a thin layer of cells in the middle called a blastocyst that is capable of turning into an embryo. And when you look at an egg yolk, you actually can tell, but not until after you open the egg, what's fertilized and what's not. Okay. There's a little like light yellow mark that's irregular in an unfertilized egg oh. and shaped like a bullseye in a fertilized egg. Interesting. I now have to go upstairs and, and crack open every egg. Every single one. I think we have about 24. So <laughs> I'll talk to you in about mm, what, five minutes? Yeah. Yeah. And just eat a lot of eggs. Oh, I'm not going to eat them. This is oh, a science experiment. Perfect. <laughs> yes. So, um, but yeah, and that, that, is something that I don't think is super visible in all eggs. Yeah. Like depending on the color but of I the egg. But I definitely yolk and... can think of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Once you said that, yeah. I knew exactly. Oh, yeah. I've wondered what that was in an egg before. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah. you know, people panic when they see egg yolks that have a little bit of a blood spot on them mm-hmm. and they assume right. that it is a dead baby chicken <gasps> in there. It's not. Oh. Um, blood spots can occur at any point during a chicken's ov- ovulation process. And it's just an abnormality that sometimes happens. It just adds a little extra iron to your diet. It's fine. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. No. It you just, can eat it. It's and when okay. you, if you scramble it, you're not even going to be able to notice. No. So there you go. It's fine. Uh, chemically, these eggs are almost identical. Um, okay. Nutritionally identical. And they taste exactly the same. So you have no idea whether you're eating unfertilized or fertilized right. eggs because the people that, well, if you're buying eggs that are produced in mass mass facilities where right. they're not allowed access to right. um to roosters then yes mm-hmm. they're unfertilized because they haven't had any sure. access to fertilization but if you're buying local or you have your own flock where you have a rooster mm-hmm. you don't know right and it right. doesn't matter or if you're getting any of the free range 
chickens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. When chicks hatch, uh, they hatch, um, they can develop and hatch after 21 days um, of proper incubation. And then they So do are, they, they do have to be properly incubated that whole time? So a, a little later on in the incubation process, they like the, the mama chicken can leave and do her. If she's doing the incubating, she can mm-hmm. like leave and do her thing. But for those back. first like 24 to 48 hours, they have to stay at a consistent temperature. So gotcha. if she leaves for too long and the temperature drops, it won't incubate properly. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it's just, a, it's a matter of temperature regulation. So it kind of depends on like the the temp the environmental temperature that they're mm-hmm. in most people if they're intentionally wanting to hatch them they don't leave them with the mom chickens they just incubate right. them at a at a constant temperature because it can be hard to convince a mom chicken to stay there right if she didn't want to exactly yeah she's just trying to live her life and she's gonna yeah. lay another egg well that's the right. other reason is that you move it so that they will lay another egg right because if if they're sitting on and I know we've been saying she but I doubt that they actually have genders so you know like. I mean, they. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. it is male and female scientifically, but mm-hmm. their gender identity may be whatever it exactly, is. Exactly, exactly. That's right. I, I have one chicken at work that desperately wants to be a duck. So, oh, you know that poor thing. <laughs> um, when chicks hatch, they are oh so tiny and adorable. We all recognize that little yellow. You know, in any breed, they so come cute. out yellow and covered in down, which is that yep. extra soft, so soft, not quite feather. You know, just kind of little. Loose, now we don't have loose. like chicken down pillows, like we have goose down pillows. I never really thought about that, but like we don't. No, we have we duck have down. down. Yeah, but not chicken down. Not chicken down. I too, wonder why. Too little, maybe? Maybe there's maybe, not enough? Maybe, because they're just maybe. so small. They also mature and become fully feathered by four to five weeks old. That's so fast. There's not a lot, you know? Yeah. They, there's, I guess that would be why. And then Makes males sense. and females will become sexually mature as early as six months old. So everything's kind of fast forward. Yeah. Old guys. Yeah. Wow. Fast forward. All right. Behaviorally, um, chickens are quite, you know, they're social birds and they have complex social hierarchies when they live in flocks because of course they do. It's not that complex. You know, we're not talking about like the most insane, but it is where the term pecking order comes from Mm, mm -hmm. because they do quite literally have a pecking order in that if you are below me in the hierarchy, I can peck you if you try to eat my food. That, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Right. Flocks usually have um, one dominant male, mm-hmm. a small number of subdominant males that are allowed mm-hmm. to coexist, much like a, a lion pride. Are they um, allowed to also impregnate or um, yes, fertilize? Yes, but uh, but the dominant male will keep a very close eye on all the females. All right. So all right. they're yeah. kind of just allowed to live there. Yeah. But you don't know? get out of order here. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then two or more females, most of the time, it's going to be way more females to male ratio sure. if you're looking at pretty large flocks. Mm-hmm. And that's just to, to keep conflict down as much as possible. Right. Um, though females have their own internal pecking order. So it's, it's your dominant male and then your subdominant males and then all your females. And within your females, they do have their own pecking order. And it's mm-hmm. usually by age and size. But that makes sense. They, uh, they dis- the females establish their pecking order by ten weeks old. They have it figured out. You know, when you're when you're in like sixth grade, Dang. and if you're like, you know, there's those kids that are popular in sixth grade, and they stay popular through all of Ugh. the rest of school, all the way up to high school. Because no one ever moves away, and mm-hmm. it's just like 
you're stuck there forever. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and those kids, those girls will just be the popular girls, but like guys Oof. can have this weird glow up and they go into high school and their social so order can true. totally change. Same with chickens. Um, okay. Males will continue to fight for dominance well into adulthood, especially right. whenever a new male is introduced to a flock, mm-hmm. um, there will be squabble. And it's like, Anytime a new male comes in, not only does he have to fight for his place, but also it just gives an opportunity for all of them to fight. And unfortunately, altercations between males pose a much higher risk for sure. severe injury or death. they've got that spur. Mm-hmm. Versus do a little the bit females, um, females fighting, which they can still hurt each other and they can still fight. Right, right. Um, but the males are... They're just, there's more risk of injury yeah. when they get into their little territorial disputes. So is this something that do you, is this something that happens in like greater amounts or, or with more tension if the, um, the flock is kept in smaller spaces or has fewer resources available? Mm -hmm. Yes, because, um, space wise, yes and no, because sometimes Mm -hmm. even with a large amount of space, you're going to have a lot of issues, but in a small amount of space, when they are coming across each other much more often, if right. there's any tension, you're likely to have more disputes. Um, but lack of resources is a big one for sure. Because sure. if wow. you try to introduce one and there just isn't enough to go around, um, or you don't have it spread out enough, where like there's one feeding spot and they all want to be right. there at the same time. Um, like I said, they have really one motivation in life and it is to eat. Mm-hmm. So don't mm-hmm. mess with them and their food. To right. eat and to breed if you're a male. Wow. <laughs> the females are like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. That just means I can keep eating. It's cool. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> so, uh. so, so I'm thinking kind of here about what people have misunderstood about domesticated dogs and the idea of like, alpha dogs mm-hmm. and and pack dominance and wolves too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is this do you think and you know maybe we just don't know but do you think that this is something that is shared in their wild cousins or is this a domesticated animal issue i do believe that it's shared in their wild cousins as well uh, mm-hmm. they're flock birds in general and you will most often see a dominant male arise mm-hmm. um and they will squabble over resources without sure. without a doubt i didn't do too much research into you know the wild right um, the red jungle fowl and their behavioral patterns but it's just kind of how chickens are hardwired and nothing in the way that we've domesticated them has attempted to change that gotcha granted um that's a nice little segue into my last section titled chickens and humans a complicated history oh yeah um you know uh, not so much a loving relationship right unfortunately a forewarning to our critter cast listeners things do get a bit sad in this section because we as humans are far from perfect um in our interactions with the animals that we share this planet with especially animals that we chose to domesticate so i forgot to mention this at the beginning of this episode um but remember folks that domestication is a process that takes place over thousands of years of humans taking a specific species of animal and 
bringing them into our lives and making them completely reliant on us. Right. If they no longer are able to survive on their own in the wild, they are now a domesticated species. And it takes thousands of years to do this. And we have done this with chickens. If you let a chicken loose, I mean, yeah, they can kind of on, on an individual basis, they may be able to figure it out a little bit. Um, but the species as a whole would not survive without human intervention because of what we've done to them. Mm -hmm. Mostly because I think they would just be, uh, the predators would just snatch them all right oh, up. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah they wouldn't be things. able to get away from all of the predators. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, but let's see. Well, we don't know for sure why we first domesticated chickens all those thousands of years ago. Um, it could have been for religious reasons. It could have been uh-huh. that we thought about raising them for food or eggs, like right away. Or it could have been the long, complicated history of raising birds for fighting, for human entertainment. Right. So I didn't talk too much about this kind of surprisingly because the good, the good thing is that rooster fighting or cockfighting as it's called is already um, becoming uh, against the law. It's becoming made right. illegal. I don't know what words I'm looking for here yeah, in yeah. many different countries and states and jurisdictions, mm-hmm. which is awesome. But it is yes. not outlawed everywhere. Right. Outlawed. That was the word I was looking That's for. That's the word you were going for. Yeah. Was. Um, <laughs> and even where it is outlawed, like here in California, mm-hmm. it continues to be a serious problem. Yeah. Animal rescue organizations and animal welfare organizations across the world are constantly trying to educate people on why this is just not an okay thing for us to be doing. You know, this is not, uh, this is, these animals are not here to be put through a lifetime of pain and stress for our entertainment. You know, it's just, especially because at the end of when, when a rooster dies in a cockfight, that's it their body just gets thrown away and like those fights not are used to the death. Resources. It's not used for anything. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a huge a waste, waste of that animal's life. And it was mm-hmm. a horrible life leading up to that. Right. Cause in order really to gear up, um, you know, roosters to fight, firstly, they do physically arm them. So not only are they working with their natural spurs, but they will attach metal sharp gosh. spurs so that they can hurt each other so much more. Oh my gosh. Which is horrible. And secondly, in order to get roosters to the point where they're just ready to fight to the death, any bird that they see, they're generally kept chained up um, oh. with each other, but where they can't get to each other with very limited food. Right. And that just kind of puts them in this exacerbating resources. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're clearly, they're not around people. Despite being a domesticated species, they're not kept around people. So these aren't birds. When these birds are rescued from these situations, it's really difficult Mm. to find positive placements for them that aren't euthanasia. Because not only are they behaviorally living horrible lives, they're mentally stressed out, they're usually malnourished, but they're also very likely sick. Because the thing about chickens is that all avians, all birds, when Mm -hmm. kept in small spaces but large amounts, have so many dangerous pathogens that exist in a flock. Right. And they will wipe out the birds. And some of those diseases are zoonotic as well and can transfer over to humans. That's right. So it is, you know, that's why it's highly recommended that that you give your chickens open space if you keep chickens, that you don't keep too many chickens and that you keep their conditions clean and healthy and all that good stuff because they can get right. sick really quickly and it's deadly and it spreads fast. So, so not only is it ethically not okay to, mm-hmm. to, and in case you're not super familiar, which I, I applaud you and I'm very happy for you that you are not super familiar with cockfighting or rooster fighting. 
it's it's it means exactly what Karina's saying, right? It means that you put two or more roosters together and you arm them and they attack each other and they fight mm-hmm. to the death and one of them dies. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And so, uh it's biggest I mean it's and some people that you know enjoy watching just to watch, but for the most part it's a way to gamble. Right. Um, you bet on days. which one you think will will make mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So not only is that ethically not okay to torture and kill animals for your enjoyment or for profit. Not only is it also illegal, but also it has devastating effects on humanity too. If you are putting birds in a situation where they're just getting sick and getting each other sick and then those pathogens spread to us. Or they spread out to other birds that may be from the same breeding facility and then those birds turn into food that you eat. Like it's Ah, no, no, it's no no. good. It's all bad. It's all bad. So many reasons not to do it. It's outlawed for so many reasons. (laughs) Um, Nasty practice. Luckily, there's been a lot of good work um, towards outlawing it everywhere and prosecuting people to the full extent of what we can do and and kind of breaking down these cockfighting rings wherever they're happening. We're doing That's our right. best for it. Um, the other, you know, complicated piece of, mm-hmm. of humans and chickens living side by side is how we've chosen to raise them for yeah. food production. Right. So it actually is a pretty recent problem that it's become pretty sure. So when we first started keeping them, they were mostly kept as complements to a farm that had mm-hmm. other livestock because it was like oh we can easily toss a few chickens in there right and actually they were pretty handy because the chickens would always eat the scraps that the other animals wouldn't eat exactly or that have left over so it was a really handy like composting sustainability mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. too and we largely initially kept chickens for eggs specifically and then meat was a byproduct of that well Um, yeah why kill the chicken once if you can eat the eggs every day exactly and a lot of times that chicken didn't even turn into meat for humans it was ground down to chicken meal for pet food for dog food for cat food because they don't care if it's high quality chicken breast it's it's protein for them it's all the same um however Modern high volume volume farms originated in Great Britain in the 1920s, post-World War II, um, mm-hmm. when there was a need to introduce new types of protein when food was scarce, and people decided that chickens, well, that might be a way. Um, and since that time, it's only been 100 years since then. Gosh. Firstly, crazy to think that 1920 was 100 years ago. <sighs> I just, just because... I don't know. We think of it as more recent history. Well, we do. I don't know. It's 2021 now. Not necessarily. (laughs) Exactly. All of our listeners might be thinking, oh, oh, the 1900s. Oh, stop. so long ago. (laughs) All of our little Gen Z listeners. That's right. But yes. um, And since then, meat production quickly outgrew, um, you know, just being a byproduct of egg production and became its very own industry. Mm -hmm. By the 1960s in America, chicken was a very popular meat for people to have on their table. And now it's one of the cheapest meats that people can buy. Right. So a lot of people eat it because it's what they can afford uh, when they need protein in their diet. Right. And it's got benefits of being really healthy too. It's lean for the most part. You mm-hmm. can do a lot with it. It's got a pretty pleasing flavor. So yeah, of yeah. course it took off. I'm sure it was very, very profitable. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yep. the way that these mega farms developed, these high volume farming, farms. was to keep mm-hmm, was to keep chickens in 
tiny stacked yeah. cages, completely indoor with no natural light, lighting and heat that made them productive layers. This is for eggs and meat. Um, and broiler chickens as well are raised in horrendous, horrendous uh, environments. And this is an ongoing problem. Um, and it's not something that is like fixed now. A lot of times we talk about issues that, you know, are, we're making a lot of progress on. And unfortunately, this is one of those areas that we just haven't made anywhere near the amount of progress for this day and age that I would like to have seen done. There's a lot of good legislation to protect other livestock animals and other um, animals that are being raised for human consumption because there's always ulterior motives. Of course, there's those of us that want to speak out for the animal's well-being, but even selfishly, if you don't care about the animals at all, if you care about the quality of what you put into your own body, you should care about the health of the animal while it's being raised to be put in your body. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's a couple, you know, the things that we think about when we're talking about animal welfare, it's not as, we're not talking about being as um, radical as saying, well, we shouldn't be raising them at all. These are domesticated animals. They've been domesticated to serve a human purpose for thousands of years. Right. That's not the argument that most animal welfare organizations are trying to make. They're just trying to, how can we be better? How can we do better for these animals? How can we make it so that they are not being raised in the conditions that they're being raised in? So what we need to focus on, um, the three things that we're really looking at are their mental health, their physical health, and their natural living ability. So (laughs) the same as there's a a shorter way of expressing the five freedoms that we've talked about before on this podcast, but all the same, you know? There's a couple different ways that farms can achieve that. They can have them be, you know, outside a certain percentage of the time. They can have them be outside all the time. They can have them be um, indoor, but with lots of natural light and lots Mm -hmm. of um, ventilation so that they're not crowded. And the biggest one is that they can just stop having so many birds in one space. It's too many. um, And it's ridiculous. And the more exercise and freedom they're allowed to express their natural behaviors of pecking and moving around and, you know, searching for their own food, the happier and healthier they will be. And then we also need to make improvements in our slaughtering techniques because they go through so much stress in the catching and actually slaughtering of the animal. Right. And studies show in other livestock animals, and I don't know why people have not cared as much with chickens, that if an animal is in a, an insane amount of stress at the moment that it dies, that meat will be way less enjoyable for sure because it'll be flooded with all of those hormones that will and uh it makes it really it makes it very tough reactions to fear yeah it's gross you don't want to eat no i don't want unhealthy unhealthy stressed out animals so not only are we of course advocating for better practices for the chickens themselves Mm -hmm. but also you know for humans too it's it's for everybody so I don't, I don't want people to be depressed though and worry yeah. like, well, what about the chicken I eat and the eggs that I buy and all that good I stuff? I mean, do think about it. Yes. But don't. So, you know, there are, yeah. there are some things that you can do as an individual. Yeah. Don't take the whole weight of the problems of mega farming on your shoulders because right. as an individual consumer in a capitalist world, there are restrictions to what you as an individual can do, but you can do things. Yes. So. Some of the ways that you can help improve the conditions that chickens are being raised in or to just make sure that the chicken that you purchase and buy or the eggs that you purchase and buy 
are from, you know, how do you support ethical farmers and producers? First thing is that you can buy local. That's a great for sure. You can hook up with local farms, neighbors that have eggs that would like Mm -hmm. to exchange or sell local butchers where you know exactly where their meat is coming from. um, And you can trust that you just know what's going on. That's a great way that that the birds are being kept in healthy condition. You could also, if you felt so inclined, raise your own chickens. Sure. Or eggs. It's pretty easy. And there's no Mm -hmm. really ethical dilemma there unless you're vegan and you choose not to. Right. Um, there's no, you know, you don't have to worry about slaughtering your chickens and eating them for meat or anything like that. You could just happily have chickens for their, their whole lives and have Definitely. eggs for as long as they produce them. If you have the space and you're allowed to have chickens in your area, yeah. of course, check those <laughs> laws first. Don't get That's in trouble right. with your neighbors. That's right. Um, you could, if you so choose, eliminate chicken from your diet. Mm-hmm. It is an option, whether you're going vegetarian, you're going vegan, or you just want to cut chicken out of your sure. diet specifically. It's an option. You can also now if you're gonna if you're gonna keep eating chicken and you can't find a local person to buy it from and you don't want to raise it yourself, uh, it is a little bit tricky to buy eggs and chicken from the store because a lot of nasty you know corporations use mm-hmm. language that is quite deceiving. They want yep. you to think free range does not automatically mean what That's you right. think it means, and cage free also doesn't Ooh. necessarily mean what you think it means rhetorical strategies Mm -hmm. to sell things to you. Right. Oh, this is so evil. Yes. And I love studying it. Cage-free literally does mean, okay, fine, we'll get rid of the cages. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that they had to reduce the number of birds they had. Yep. It doesn't mean that they had to make any other changes to their environment. And it doesn't mean that their birds are healthy and happy. Yep. Definitely. Uh, and free range also doesn't mean that their birds are happy and healthy or that it, and also I think they're allowed to say free range, even if they are um, only outside and free ranging a certain percentage of the time mm-hmm. too. That makes sense. So there's, you know, right. there's a lot of like back doors, but there are a couple of um, labels that you can look at brands for. So there are yeah. three outside agencies that specifically have separate certification processes um, to promote humane farming practices. So there's one called animal welfare approved. Mm -hmm. So they have to go through a certain certification process and you can look for that. It's not going to be on the actual label of the products that you're buying in the store. But if you familiarize yourself with the brands that are certified under these, then you can look for those brands in the store. So animal welfare approved, the global animal partnership and certified humane are three ones that you guys can look for. And we'll make sure to put this out on our website. So yeah. There's actually a really awesome webpage that goes through all these options and links all these um, websites for you. Nice. And then also for when you're eating out, there is a new nonprofit called the Humane Eating Project that just developed an app in recent years called the Humane cool. Eating App, which is very similar to the um, Seafood Watch app from nice. the Monterey Bay Aquarium in that it's intended to help you locate places that are ethically sourcing their food. Oh, I love it. For those of uh, those of you out there like myself and like Cassie that don't opt for a vegetarian or vegan lifestyle, no judgment here. And I hope Mm -mm. that you won't judge me in return because I do love animals. I love them all. And I also incorporate them in my diet. Yep. But there are ways to ethically do so. Yes, exactly. So don't lose all hope. Okay. Yay. It just, there are ways that you can help the chickens. Yes. You can also, of course, look into, educate yourself on your local legislation and find out who to contact if you want to see it improved. It looks like there's a page called eggtrack.com mm-hmm. where you can look up um, 
how the the whole cage free progress report and find out about how many companies are in the either have shifted to cage free eggs and what that means for those companies mm-hmm. and how kind of across the whole globe but also just across the US you can see um how people are working towards how do how these companies are working towards more cage free goals. Oh mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah. Figure that the seventh grade Karina who went on a strike from eating chicken and eggs for so long. Um when I watched a documentary. Looked, looked well, I don't think these resources existed. <laughs> no, they didn't. Uh, over a decade ago. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not. Aging myself there, but uh, <laughs> you're so uh, old. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah, I mean I made flyers. I made flyers, my petition. Now, when I was in seventh grade, I wrongfully assumed that if I made my mom buy cage-free eggs, that we were in the clear. Right. Little did I know we right. were not in the clear. But my heart was in the right place. Definitely. Trying to help the chickens. That's right. Trying yep. to help the chickens, man. And now oh. we know how to help them in more effective ways. That People are making it easy for us. That's right. Exactly. So maybe Karina will put together a page on our CritterCast website with all these excellent links and resources for Maybe more information. Maybe will because she has time to do this. I bet she will. pre-recording That's, the glow so up that is CritterCast season two. That's right. Oh yeah. Planning ahead. We're doing our best here. <laughs> so yeah. So, you know, this came about this episode on chickens. That's the end of my notes. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> we, we made it. Gee, um, why are we talking about chickens, Karina? I know, right? The, this came around because uh, at the animal shelter, the unnamed animal shelter that I work, I recently <laughs> learned a lesson in, you know, privacy. Um, the unnamed privacy. animal shelter that I work, I currently am dealing with Lots and lots of chickens. So it is many. not my primary job. Luckily, I'm not the chicken wrangler. Um, we just found ourselves as an entire shelter uh, a bit overrun with chickens. Um, <laughs> all Many, many different birds, but many of them are chickens. You see, uh, things had for, gone afoul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the second time in two years. So I decided... It's time for me to know more about these guys. (laughs) Now, granted, the research I did for CritterCast wasn't really helpful in taking care of them. We didn't even touch at all on how to be a good chicken owner. Chickens are even being kept as just general companions now, like even with people not caring about the eggs or the meat, like they just... We'll probably have to at some point do an episode that's an interview with people who keep chickens. Yeah. Talk to people who keep chickens. Or chicken sanctuary. Yeah, maybe we could get a couple of different perspectives. I think that'd be Mm -hmm. super cool. Um, (laughs) But yes, uh, it's awesome. It's been, there's so much more to talk about with chickens that we didn't get to in this episode. But I think we we got a good general understanding of the domestic chicken and and what we should know about them just as an everyday person walking through the world. What should you know about chickens? Everything. Because you share a world with 25 billion of them. I want to know everything. (laughs) What an episode. Very cool. That was a wonderful deep dive into the domestic chicken. Yeah. 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 I always, I feel, I gotta, I'm not going to lie, guys. I feel a little unsatisfied because I know there's so much more to talk about. Yeah. But we'll, you know, we'll call this chickens part one. Yeah. Um, because it, there was just, there's a lot to talk about, but I'm glad that we, I'm glad that we had this conversation. I'm glad that we learned more about these animals that we share our planet with. Yes. And share sometimes share our homes with. 
And I hope that you folks at home enjoyed listening to this episode of CritterCast. And if you're, uh, if you're curious to check out more CritterCast, there's so, so many ways that you could do that. So much, so much. You could, for example, go look at any of our previous episodes, which you can find on all streaming sites where you stream music and or podcasts. Just look for CritterCast Podcast. Mm-hmm. You will find us anywhere. We're everywhere. everywhere. And if that's not enough for you, what else could they do? If that's not enough, or if you have a hard time with streaming platforms and you prefer to just subscribe directly to us, you could hop on over to our website, CritterCastPodcast.com, where all of our previous episodes are listed um, along with our little descriptions and our source notes. And you can subscribe and be notified when a new episode is uploaded. Wow. What a great deal. You don't have to pay for Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any of those things. You can just go to our website for free. I'm going to do that right now. I'm looking up CritterCastPodcast.com. Dot com. (laughs) Uh, And on our website, you'll also be directed to a number of fun things. Not only can you learn more about Cassie and myself, find out who we are, what we're up to, why we do CritterCast. You can listen to our episodes. You can find out some information on how to help animals near you. We like to highlight animals in need on our our Help the Animals page. Yes, we do. You can read. If you are interested in learning more about animals of all kinds, you can take a look at our popularly used sources page. That's right. Some of our favorite websites to find good animal information. Mm-hmm. You could hop over to the tab and shop for some CritterCast merchandise on our Redbubble store, <gasps> featuring Amazing. artwork by our talented friend Zara, who does uh, paintings and drawings and digital artwork of animals. Wow, much talent there! Very exciting. And you can check out our reptile resources page because here at CritterCast, we have a special affinity for reptiles. It is why we started this show. We are reptile owners and passionate about educating because the reptile trade is so popular, uh, educating people about how to properly care for their reptiles and how to choose a good reptile for them. So you can check out our reptile resources page, which may in the future turn into a pet resources page. We'll see. I'm not making any promises. Ambitious. So much on our website. (laughs) There is so, so much that you can find there. It's a lot of fun, for sure. And if you're still not satisfied, go find us on YouTube where we have some videos that we've put up. And you can, if you're missing huge crowds of people walking through enclosed spaces, you could watch some of our walkthroughs and tours of reptile expos. Exactly. Exactly. I I don't know who misses that, but if you do, (laughs) there you go. And if none of those really float your boat, but you just really like our vibe and you want to be our friend, come hang out with us on social media. We're so fun. We're so fun. You can find us on all the social media platforms. You can find us on Instagram as... CritterCast Podcast. On Facebook as CritterCast. Or on Twitter as at CastCritter. All those things. Find us, follow us, do all that things. And if you're just feeling like, I feel satisfied, but I can't wait for another episode, we'll see you again in two weeks. Thank you guys so much for joining in today and learning all the wonderful things about chickens. We love and appreciate our listeners because we know you are the kind of people that will go out of your way to make sure your chicken is ethically sourced. Yep. Absolutely. At least as much as you can afford to. Absolutely. And that's what we can, all that we can all do. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) See you later, alligator. After a while, crocodile. This is the CritterCast Podcast.